Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. Getting that much closer to Eagles. Game number two. Can they extend their one-game winning streak? We'll tell you about it for the next couple hours right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. The Maga Mac guys, Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen. A football Friday, J-Mac. I can see you are bursting with football knowledge and ready to get the Eagles fans up to date with everything they need to know about their team. Yeah, I probably am bursting with football knowledge. I'm not going to run from that. Yes, you but, are. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe too much at times, to be honest. Got to get a life, Jody. <laughs> uh, not during, not not during you, football me. season. Football season, you've already given over your life yeah. to coverage of the league and the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, you, you, you'll get a life. It's called uh, February, March, and April. <laughs> which we'll then see. you and I will be making stuff up to talk about here on Birds 365. But we've got plenty to sink our teeth into today. San Francisco 49ers coming to town. Um, Eagles were an underdog before the year started in this game. Maybe less of an underdog going into it because of how they played week one down in Atlanta. San Francisco, you got to feel for them a little bit. Now, I know Eagle fans don't feel for them at all. But uh, last year had their season come apart because of injuries. And once again, early in the year, they've already got some pretty serious injury issues, J-Mac. Yeah, three of them. Uh, they added one. So, uh, obviously, Raheem Mostert was scheduled to be their top running back, which – you know, great story. Uh, started here in Philadelphia as an undrafted free agent. Got cut numerous times before sort of getting his opportunity with San Francisco and really turning into a, a, a pretty good running back. But a lot of people talk about the 49ers running scheme. We talked about it yesterday. They plug in a six-round pick. Elijah Mitchell, he runs for 100 yards. So how much of it is that running scheme? How much it, if it is? Raheem Mostert, I can tell you, Jody, from talking to the players yesterday, they're worried about that running scheme. Uh, uh, Javon Hargrave called it the best in the NFL. Nobody else runs it. Nobody else can run it. So they're well aware, uh, especially defensively, uh, that's mission number one, no matter who lines up at running back. Uh, And then they lost their best corner, uh, Justin Barrett, uh, who's out for the season. Um, and, and, and now Jason Brad, excuse me. And now they lost, uh, one of their starting linebackers, uh, who was here in Philadelphia early, uh, to see, uh, Dr. William Myers, who was the guy in the country for core muscle injuries. Um, and you know, if you go to see Dr. Myers in season, it's never a good thing. Right. So three significant injuries already for the San Francisco 49ers. And yeah, I mean, you, you never like to see injuries. You shouldn't, um, but you got to take advantage of it. If you're in that situation, you have a little bit of good luck. Nobody cared about the Eagles when I had to trot out 14 different offensive line combinations. You try to take advantage 
of what's in front of you. How big a loss is uh, Dre Greenlaw? Um, we don't watch the Niners week in and week out. I, I'm not expecting you to have watched their all 22 tape, but you probably got a general feel on how highly a rated linebacker is he as compared to the other linebackers in the league. I know it's a loss. How big a loss is it? Yeah, he's a good player, but I mean, obviously, when you talk about linebackers in the 49ers, it starts with, with Fred Warner and, you know, Dre is sort of the on-ball linebacker, the Sam linebackers, they would call it here. So you could see, you know, they play that Seattle-type defense, cover three-type defense, uh, Pete Carroll, Gus Bradley, all those types. Um, that's sort of their philosophy. And I, I wouldn't say that's much like it is here. You talk about the Sam linebacker position. It's not as important as the Mike and Will. So... He's a starter, but, you know, probably a sub-package player in the real world when you uh, factor in the nickelback is going to be on the field, usually in the modern NFL. But, I, you know, the Eagles are a little bit different because of their quarterback and their dual-threat ability. Sometimes maybe you want to play that third linebacker a little bit more than you would in a typical NFL game because what the Eagles can do offensively because of the quarterback. So, Maybe it has a bigger impact in this game than it would typically maybe in another game against a more traditional offense. Speaking of the quarterback's ability to run, you're uh, relating to Jalen Hurts and the fact that he keeps other defenses honest because he can pull it down at any time and turn the ball off the field with his legs. We did see a little bit that about that last night with the Giants where Daniel Jones, when he became Lamar Jackson, I'm not an athlete. He's always been a great athlete. I don't think, I know you don't like Daniel Jones as a quarterback. That's fine. But he's a good athlete. He really is. He had another, he had a touchdown taken away from him. The trip, but the trip here, he gets out in the open field. And for whatever reason, people look at him and think, that guy's not fast. And he's running by it. He really is a good athlete. I have to give him that. He rushed for 90 yards, and they took a major chunk off the board on that play that went for a touchdown, which technically, was it a holding downfield? It was nitpicking. It was. It was was kind of a light call. It wasn't – they didn't make it up out of whole cloth. I think he did hold on the play, but how often do wide receivers do that downfield? It happens all the time. He just got caught. Uh, I will give Jones credit uh, for that, but and I, I, I wanted to stick with the Eagles here, but since we jumped over to the Giants, uh, I got to give the broadcasters a little bit of a hard time last night, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, specifically Aikman because he's a quarterback. One of the biggest plays in the game was the touchdown pass that Slayton couldn't pull in in the fourth quarter that went off his hands that would have given the Giants a touchdown, and he had to settle for a field goal. Yes, Slayton should make that catch. The ball hit his hands. That's what you're paid for is to come up with those catches, and he didn't. It would have been a tough catch, but it was certainly a makeable catch. Listening to those guys describe it, it was 100% Slayton's fault. Excuse me? He was open by 20 yards, and Daniel Jones overthrew him. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, that's not – yeah, that's easy. That's an easy throw. You don't have to worry about putting it out there, letting the guy run under it. Just throw a punt down there. He's going to score a touchdown. Um, Yeah, they were a little bit harsh. You know, receivers are so good now when it comes to catching the football. There's a lot of these catches that are incredibly difficult. 
You saw the Ricky Seals Jones touchdown. That's an amazing catch. And people expect these guys to make those catches in the modern NFL. Back in the old days, so, all right, who, who's making that catch? You know, a couple guys. Um, now, now everybody makes them. You know, you got Jalen Rager pulling down one-handed catches in practice. I mean, every these guys are unbelievable today. But, uh, yeah, they're a little bit too harsh on the receivers at times. And certainly that's a pass that's – uh, that's not a good pass. When when you see that he's that open, and they correctly described it as a blown coverage, the cornerback just let him go, and there was zero, no safety help over the top. Y- y- you've got to be able to see that, and you just give it a little bit more air underneath. When you've got a guy that open, you don't have to throw it on a line. You can give it a little bit more air to just make it an easier catch on your wide receiver. Sometimes you can't do that. Coverage is too good. You can't just, ooh, should I put a little bit? No, you just got to rear back and rip it. But on that play, you could tell that he was going to be blatantly wide open, and Jones decided to throw it a little bit too hard while trying to throw it out in front of him. Yeah, I mean, and and sometimes, you know, the game moves really fast, obviously, on the field. Maybe Daniel Jones didn't see there was no safety in the middle of the field. That's his job as the quarterback. You have to see that. There was nobody there. It was blatant. Exactly. That's part of the gig. I mean, you got to be able to to read what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, if any – if any quarterback misses that throw, you're going to say it's a bad throw, whether it's Aaron Rodgers on down. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, it was a bad throw. I think let me that's get fair. Your, let me get your take on the game overall. I was a little bit surprised. I thought the Redskins' defense would bring a little bit more. Uh, let me relate this back to what you said earlier about how defenses may have to handle Jalen Hurts this year with his ability to make plays with his legs. Do you think that was the difference in the second half with the Redskins? Because we all believe that the Redskins have one of the best pass rushes in all of football. They got to him a couple times in the first half. Second half, non-existent pass rush. Daniel Jones was able to sit back there and take his times and make better throws than he could have to slighten on the play. Do you think it was because Washington was a little afraid that Danny Dimes was going to pull it down and run again? Well, maybe, maybe that's part of it. I know the people in Washington have been disappointed with the first two games and that the defensive line hasn't played up to its reputation. Um, maybe it's just the whole September's the new August. Maybe they're just ramp- ramping up because nobody does anything in preseason. Maybe those first two games are just those first two games, and we got to accept that there's going to be some sloppiness. Guys aren't going to be ready. They're not used to playing 60, 70 snaps, and all of a sudden they got to play 60, 70 snaps. I I think that all plays into it. I think as the season goes on, those guys will start to to feel uh, get back to where they typically are and start to dominate a little bit more. But yeah, I mean that was supposed to be a top five defense. Giants do not have a good offensive line to be kind. Um, you would think they would dominate that type of game. And all of a sudden we're looking at a shootout. It's hard. I say it all the time on this show. It's hard to play defense in the modern. They, they don't make it easy for you. So, I mean, it, it you got to have everything on the right page, uh, coverage, pass rush, pass rush coverage. Uh, if one of them breaks down, bad things happen. But yeah, the, the, there's too much talent on that defense to be given up 29 points than in New York Giants. Right. Um, and if you're going to cut them some slack and say, oh, the first couple of games are still like preseason, got to ramp up, got to get ready. 
Well, ask the Giants about that. They're 0-2 again. Fifth consecutive year. 0-2. Five years in a row, they've started the season 0-2. An that, and that spans two different coaches. It isn't just the, the same blue I uniform, but you got two different coaches that have now gone five straight years. I think if you go back even further, it's like eight of nine or nine of ten. It's It's been almost a decade of where more often, far more often than not, one time they they haven't started 0-2. And, and that's through, you know, McAdoo, Shermer, Joe Judge, no matter who they're throwing. They've been an absolute disaster ever since they moved on from really Tom Coughlin. And, and uh, I, I mean, who was the GM? Why can't I remember his name? Uh, really good GM. Uh, oh, uh, right-hand man for uh, uh, Ernie Acorsi. Um Yeah, I can't think of his name either prior to Gettleman. Yeah, um, uh, uh, I'll figure it out in a second. But uh, they, ever since then, ever since they moved on from that sort of regime, they just haven't been able to get it right. They just uh, – <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing. There's certain teams. The Jets are in this category as well. Um, and it's interesting because obviously it's New York football, New York football as a whole, uh, New York City football, North Jersey football has been down for – for so long. Jerry Reese is the guy I was thinking of. But um, Jerry Reese, exactly. Yeah. Um, he was a very good GM for a long time. Um, and they haven't been able to get it right. They can't find offensive linemen. They draft offensive linemen in the top 10, in the top, in the first. They can't develop them. Jets are the same way. A lot of teams are the same way across this league. It is amazing to me. And that's why. Jeff Stoutland is so important for the Eagles. Not about drafting the guys. You know, some of them, again, Andre Dillard is probably the one guy who's disappointed recently for the Eagles on the offensive line, just completely disappointed. Um, so it's not about just drafting a guy. You got to develop them from there. And there's so many teams who can't develop offensive linemen. It's amazing to me. Yeah, the Eagles are one of the better teams in the league, not just uh, they're competent at it. No, they're one of the best in the National Football League at developing uh, first finding and then developing coaching up offensive linemen. And yes, a uh, ton of that credit. We talk about percentage breakdown. My, my breakdown on the missed touchdown pass in a giant game last night, not the same as the two broadcasters. Oh, I go about 90-10 on the development of the Eagles offensive line. Yes. You got to give some credit to the Doug Peterson's and the Nick Sirianni's very early on here, but Jeff Stoutland been here throughout and he gets a ton of that credit. And and by the way, you you think about Andre Dillard, that's a bigger strike in his column because think about if he went to the jets or the giants, probably where his development would be. So that might even be a bigger strike in his column. Yeah, could he get in the game this week? You certainly hope not. Uh, but uh, Mr. Mylata will yeah, be dead. By the way, little little tidbit for you, Jody, from practice yesterday, from what we do get to see. So, Eagles, you know, put your put your ear muffins on, put your for the baby ears that don't want anything out there. Andre Dillard in individual drills, lining up as an extra tight end. So they might throw out that wrinkle in there. So you have essentially six got offensive lines. Got it. We're talking goal line, right? You can't tell an individual. They're just working individual. They're, you know, we don't get to watch team drills this time of year. 
Could be middle of the field. Could be no. short yardage, no. fourth and one. No, it can't be middle of the field. No, it could be third and one. Yeah, third and one, short yardage, fourth and one. It's a little wrinkle. They okay. might have a little All bit right. of a, a quarterback uh, quarterback design run. You get the extra offensive lineman on the field, trying to get the former first-round pick involved. Just put it in the back pocket, Jody. Okay, I, I appreciate the nugget and the tidbit. I will bet you this does not happen anywhere but down at the goal line. Uh, it's not going to happen on a fourth and short from the 50-yard line. I do not believe they will take that chance and put him out there as a tight. Down by the goal it. line, okay, I get it. Uh, midfield or in their it. own. Eagles have done it a lot over the years. Obviously, different coaching staff. Isaac Sayamalo started out that way. Um, Halapuli Bati Baitai used to do it. Uh, Jack Driscoll did it a few times last year. Um, they do it more than you would think. Here's what uh, I, I would describe all three of the guys that you just threw out there as guys who did it previously. Athletic for his size, athletic for his size, athletic for his size. Uh, the individual. Oh, Andre Dillard about- is athletic. That's about the only thing he has. It's the other stuff. It's the <laughs> technique. It's the strength. He's athletic. That's not his problem. Uh, you got you, in that in that type of a play, you have to be able to uh, get off coverage, right? Now it's going to be someone your own size. It's not going to be like. Oh, I'm not saying. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm not saying he's going to be used as a tight end. I'm saying he's going to be used as a blocker. He's playing tight end. He's just out there the block. I see what you're. No, he's not going to catch the football. I see well, you called him a tight end. Well, he's playing tight end. He's an extra tight end. He's an uh, over. Like when the Eagles used Isaac, said they didn't throw the football to those guys. They're just out there as an extra blocker. No, they're not. I'm saying if they're going to run the football on a design quarterback run on fourth and one, they might have the extra tight end be Andre Dillard instead of you know the third tight end instead of Jack Toll stole or something of that nature. Now what uh, educate us here, what makes you a tight end? How are you designated a tight end? To me, that's just an extra offensive lineman. Uh, is it by where you are in the line positioning? Yeah. If you're out, yeah. If you're out uh, on, on the edge where a tight end typically plays, Again, personnel, one of my big pet peeves about personnel groupings. Is, is, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is, so anyone outside of the tackle, be the left tackle or right tackle, well, you is have considered to, a you, tight end? You have to declare yourself as eligible. So if you declare yourself as eligible to the officials, you're the extra tight end on the field. You're You're an active receiver. Whereas an offensive lineman isn't an active receiver. So if you see the offensive lineman go over to the official and say, uh, you know, and they'll say 77 is eligible, uh, then you're the extra tight end. That's how sort of they just, uh, you know, for, for, you know, for bookkeeping purposes. Right. None of it matters. I always say if, if Kenny Gainwell, for instance, is lined up as a receiver on a play, He's still counted as a running back. Well, he's not playing running back. He's split out. So that's why I think people get too hung up on personnel groupings because they'll say, oh, the Eagles earned 21. Well, yeah, but the one receiver split out as a wide receiver. So what what does it really matter? Here's where I would agree with you. Um, If Andre Dillard is in as, quote, unquote, a tight end, to me, he's not a tight end. He's an extra offensive lineman. If if he's got no – even if he declares himself eligible – to the uh, to the referee 
and then all he does is block. That just means the Eagles added an extra offensive lineman on the play, not an extra tight end. That is just true. Designation he, purposes, yeah, and that's were, why I didn't they understand. Will, they will call it, yeah, they will call it thirteen personnel. They will call it three tight ends because he's eligible. But you're a hundred percent right. Yes, he's yeah, not. I, he's not going to catch the ball. Don't think he's going to be catching anyone uh, any passes anytime soon. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We're here for the next hour plus to break down the Niners and the Eagles. Uh, we will have Rob Motti join us in hour number two. Do us a favor. Stay right here on Bird 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth. Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. A football Friday getting ready, getting prepped, breaking down the matchup between the Eagles and the 49ers, where the 49ers are a three-point favorite. John, this game opened up with the 49ers favored at four after last weekend's action. 
came down to three and a half, came down again to three in most places. Now you have so many outlets that handle action. You can get a different line if you do enough shopping uh, that I don't think you're going to get it up at four anymore, but you might be able to still find three and a half in some places. But most are down to three, which I think is a good sign. Uh, you can Some people put a lot of stock into it. Some people refuse to put any stock into it. I put a goodly amount of stock into it. I, there's a reason why um, they keep building multi-billion dollar casinos out there in Vegas. They kind of know um, what they're doing. Um, on your shoulder, Jerry. Yes. Not, uh, well, not Vegas, but. That's uh, down the shore. They, oh, they got, uh, you think they got legalized game, gambling in the ocean? I'm sure. not sure. Okay. Yeah, All sure. right. That's the case. I'm going to have to get down there. Put some action in. Um, but the Eagles are a three-point underdog, which is no disgrace. Because uh, a lot of people had the 49ers as a potential Super Bowl entrant before this year started, except for a diehard wearing eagle-colored glasses uh, fans here in town. I don't think anybody had the Eagles as a Super Bowl contender before this season started. Yeah, I don't, well, I mean, I I don't think they should even now. I mean, people are hyped up after week one, obviously, but we always talk about overreaction Mondays in general, overreaction Mondays after week one, they're even ramped up even more if that's possible. Um, never get too high, never get too low. All the cliches apply. Um, the Eagles do look a lot better than most of the national people think. And by the way, Jody McDonald and John McMullen have been saying that for months and months and months, that they're going to be better than the people who thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in football because of the offensive line, the defensive line. Uh, one week, we're looking pretty good in that uh, expectation. There's going to be problems. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be issues. San Francisco's a really, really big step up, even with the injuries than Atlanta. Atlanta came in, talent-deficient team, Terrible game plan by a rookie head coach. I still am trying to figure out. We're, we're here five days. I, I still don't know what they were trying to accomplish. Um, but that's their problem. You got to take advantage of it. Just like this week, you got to take advantage of the injuries. I will say before the season, I'm saying, well, this is not a game they were going to win. And if you wanted to tie yourself in a pretzel, you would say body clock game. Uh, they stayed here anyway. They stayed on the East Coast, so that's off the table. But now you can start and say, well, the Eagles could win this game. You know, if they play well first game at Lincoln Financial Field, season opener, everybody's going to be fired up. A lot different type atmosphere, really difficult uh, place to play. Um, so they could win this game, but a lot of things would have to go right. They would have to play very well again. they got to execute they got to stop the run. That's my biggest concern. I don't care about the running backs because it's about the scheme with San Francisco. Um, and I don't know if this team can stop the run. That's my biggest concern as we head into this game. And they did stop the run for what it was worth in the second half against the Falcons. Falcons kind of went away from the run a little bit more than they did in the first half. And there, your questioning of Arthur Smith and his game plan comes into play. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, so uh, we'll find out because, uh, you know, the 49ers are going to stay committed to the run. They always have the hand coach teams always do. Uh, so we expect that to be the case uh, this Sunday. 
Uh, but they really did uh, whatever efforts the Falcons made in the second half, they shut it down. Um, and yeah, I kind of questioned Jonathan Gannon the other day when he did say it came down to uh, execution more so than scheme that guys actually tackled. That's a really good that idea helps. on defense. Yeah, yeah. Ta- tackling is a very important part of playing defense, but I was a little surprised Gannon went there putting it pretty much all on his players. Um, but they did come up big. So uh, in a way, he was also giving them the nod. Uh, San Francisco's biggest offensive weapon week one, even though we give it, uh, them that much credit for their running game, was Samuel on the outside. And I like the way you describe him and receivers his like uh, created touch guys that they aren't your basic lineup outside, beat the cornerback, get down the field, make a uh, big move, uh, run a great pattern, uh, that they are speed guys that if you get the ball in their hands, give them a little space, create a little space for them that they can do things uh, with their athleticism. Uh, the Eagles didn't face anyone like that. Atlanta doesn't have that type of player. So we don't really know. And they'll have a couple of guys that they'll face this year that are those type of players. Teams like to get them bo- the ball in space and create for them. Uh, how do you think the Eagles are going to play that? How does their defense deal with a guy who is a speed demon who uh, the other team is going to try and get him the ball in space? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Debo Samuel is one of those manufactured touch guys. Manufactured. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry, John. That is your word, and it is uh, absolutely (laughs) on point. Yeah, it's not not only my word. uh, But, yeah, that's how the NFL kind of describes those guys. And um, he's the jet sweep guy, the orbit motion guy. You might even see him line up in the backfield on occasion. Uh, trying to hide him uh, from the defense. Um, and he's a good receiver as well. So, <clears throat> I mean, that's part of it. I think he caught, he almost had 200 yards receiving uh, last week. So, nine for uh, 189. Yeah. So, a lot of it, I think he had a 79 yard touchdown, I think you mentioned, but um, a lot of it's that. But he's a really good player, really is. And, and he's a unique player. So, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult than, say, if you have just a good receiver, well, yeah, good receivers are difficult to deal with, but you know where they're going to be. They're going to be outside the numbers mainly. Or if it's a slot receiver, a flex receiver, you know where they're going to be. In the case of Debo Samuel, it's a where's Waldo situation. you got to figure out really quickly, okay, where's he going? Where's he lining up? What's he going to do? Where's this motion taking him? How we want to handle it? Do we want to pass it off? It's kind of like, you know, defense in the NBA where they're trying to set picks all over the place and and you got to decide well do you want to get over the pick do you want to get under the pick do you want to do you want to just switch uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Jonathan Gannon uh, handles Debo Samuel and and I think the hope is that number one you stop the run so you're in third and long situations and then it becomes then he's got to be a receiver you know, you can't bother really with the other stuff. So I think that's ultimately the goal. Everything comes back to stopping the run and, and putting them behind the sticks instead of giving them – because if it's third and two, third and one, then he can do all the Kyle Shanahan eyewash stuff that drives people crazy. All right, let me ask you another Jonathan Gannon question, and this is going to sound like I'm giving J.G. a hard time, and maybe I am a little bit, but uh, I, I'm not killing him uh, with this question. 
someone brought up in the press gathering the other day that uh, he found a way to get all of his defensive players into the game. And Gannon said, hey, uh, if I get the, ch- I'm going to do that. It's so much easier if a guy has played, if he gets a game where he's uh, surprisingly because of injury, now has to play that many more snaps. He's more into it. He's more ready. They were blowing out Atlanta in the exactly. fourth quarter. It's easy. And it's easy. It, uh, me standing on the sidelines could have go, hey, get in there for a couple of plays. I don't know that that gets extra credit because you get your guys into a game no. that you're up by two plus touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And that's exactly what happened. It's a smart philosophy, but I think like every coach in the national football league would have that philosophy, checking time and scoreboard and the like. Um, did that bother you as well? That, uh, and, and I, I, <clears throat> I understand it wasn't him calling attention to it. It was the question that sent him in that direction. But he was able to say, yeah, of course, uh, I got to well, get my guys some time. Yes and yes. And by that, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't love the question, but and I don't want to I don't remember who asked the question. But um, Gannon did say before he was if you're dressed, you're going to play. And it's just it's something nice to say. It's easy to do in a route. I mean, Zach McPherson played the last two snaps for Darius Slade. Teron Jackson played the last two snaps. Who cares? I mean, it's a blowout. But, you know, it was a big deal with Fletcher Cox because people made a big deal with Fletcher Cox because he played 41 uh, snaps, I think 57%, led the defensive line. But Fletcher's usually up. Bad week in the 70s, usually in the 80s, sometimes even the 90s, uh, depending on how the game would go in years past. So that was a big drop-off. But again, it's about the route. It's about the blowout. It's about uh, if it was a close game in the fourth quarter, Fletcher Cox is on the field. Milton Williams isn't on the field. Hassan Ridgeway isn't on the field. Fletcher Cox is. So sort of how the game went, uh, and that's what Fletcher said when he was asked about it, essentially. Yeah, I'll be out there a lot more in high leverage situations. I mean, you had, you had an advantage. You're, you're blowing the team out. Yeah, why are you going to play Fletcher Cox? Let Milton Williams have some snaps. And, <clears> oh, <throat> by the way, both Tassan Ridgeway and Milton Williams played really well. If there had been a drop-off when Fletcher Cox was off the field, you would go, really? You're just trying to get these guys action? Come on, we got to make sure we get this game in our oh, back yeah, pocket. But again, in the route, you can do that. You can say, uh, you know, thirty. typically you want to get the guys action in the first half. You want to rotate, especially on the defensive line, because you want, you want your big, you know, your big stars ready for the fourth quarter. In that final push, if it's going to be close, you need them getting at the pass rusher. The more they play early, the more tired they will be late. That I think that's Gannett's philosophy. So he does want to rotate early, and they have a very deep defensive line. But in the fourth quarter, in a typical NFL game like last night, where it's going to be one score, he wants, you know, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham on the field. The interesting part of that is who's going to be on the field between Josh Sweat and, and Derek Barnett. That's going to be the interesting part. And <clears throat> although I thought Josh Sweat was in their front seven, maybe the Eagles' best player at this side of uh, Hargrave, who was certainly the number one player, I thought Josh Sweat was number two of the front seven. Um, 
Barnett did not play badly. Uh, if you say Sweat was better than Barnett in week number one, while it's true, usually you think, well, then Barnett didn't play well. No, Barnett played well enough, too. It's just I thought Sweat was their best tackler of their front seven, and that's including a guy like Singleton, which is saying a lot. Uh, where I have at least a question, if not a concern, Jay Mack, is the back uh, four, and that's at safety. Marcus Epps, again, no practice yesterday. McLeod doesn't look like a go. You tell me if that's the case. Um, if you think he's going to get a chance, and I know your view of practice is limited during the regular season as compared to preseason. Is Kayvon Wallace up to as many snaps this week as he was forced to take last week because of injury? Yeah, I mean, safety's typically is not a rotational position. So there's a guy, Anthony Harris was one of the I think two players who played all 72 snaps. Could have been, yeah, he, could he have been. and Nelson were the only two yeah. who played every single um, snap. So, yeah, that, that's not a rotational position typically. So the problem with Kayvon, he can play all the snaps. The problem is, can he play them effectively? I think that's the bigger problem. Now, Marcus Epps, I think he's in good shape. To get on the field that quickly, have his helmet, you got to go through these protocols. You're not going to get through them. Um until Friday at the earliest because of how they set it up. I think there's a good chance that he'll be ready, uh, but we'll see. Those concussions, head injuries are always iffy, but the fact he's, he's out there so quickly, that's a positive sign. Um, Rodney, yeah, I get the same. It's interesting. You know, we're going to have Rob, Rob Motti on in the second hour. He had Rodney on his AP football podcast. So I want to ask him about the timing of that. Um, you know, obviously Rodney didn't say he's getting closer. It's getting closer. Um, if you ask me to bet on it with Ocean Casino and Resort in the background, Jody, I would say no. He's probably not going to play. That would be my bet. Uh, he's still got the bulky brace on. But, you know, Rob got a one-on-one with him. So maybe he can bring some more clarity to that. That's good. We'll certainly ask that, Rob. He'll be with us in hour number two. Um, the 49er offense is not the same as a Falcon offense, which is unfortunate for the Eagles because the Falcon <laughs> offense was not impressive week number one. Um, they're going to do things differently. They have different talent. Will just plug and play Jonathan Gannon defense be able to do the job against the 49ers? They're going to have to be uh, positional changes, attitudinal changes, different looks to be able to keep the 49ers offense at bay. How, how do you see the changes, if any, to the Eagles defense coming in schematically for this game on Sunday? Um, I, I think they can do a little bit more pre-snap. You're probably going to fool uh, Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit easier than Matt Ryan and that type of thing. So maybe you try to do a few different things when it comes to pre-snap. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they prepare for Trey Lance and how much Trey Lance plays. Um, you would think they would ramp it up a little bit, slowly keep going incrementally, get them on the field a little bit more each and every week. So that creates a little bit of a problem. If you got to worry about both types, both styles of quarterbacks, you know, we always talk about Kittle and that's a difficult matchup. We mentioned Debo Samuel. We'll see if Brandon Ayuk can get out of the doghouse. If he does, um, 
that makes things more difficult, certainly from an athleticism standpoint. Um, and then, you know, nobody talks about uh, Juszczyk, Kyle Juszczyk, probably the best fullback in the NFL. Um, and he's a big part of that running scheme as well. But, you know, so they have – think about it this way, Jody. They have the best, you know, probably – not probably, they definitely have the best blocking tight end in football, and they probably have the best um, blocking fullback in football. So you add like two guys to that running scheme, which other teams just don't have typically or at that level. Uh, and then he can catch the football as well. You check. Obviously, Kittle can, but you check can. He's really good receiver. And they're just, you don't see that often. In the in the modern NFL, so it's a, I think they're more difficult to prepare for, similar to what uh, the Eagles were last week when nobody knew what they were going to do, and Jalen Hurts brings this uniqueness to the position and his abilities. But you don't see something a lot; it's difficult to deal with it. And, you know, I always talk to college coaches. You know, you probably know this, Jody. They would hate to play Navy or Army. Or, or Georgia Tech when they went with the triple options, they would hate it because now if you had more talent, yeah, you would eventually wear them down. But you can't, you can't justify practicing for it more than the week you have to prepare because you're not going to see it again. And he would just look like a moron trying to defend the triple option. Uh, all these people, it would just drive co- college coaches crazy. Um, it's not that bad. It's not that uh, weird. But when you don't see something, that's the analogy I'm trying to make. It's difficult to to prepare for it. Um, do me a favor. Help me out here. I'm having a uh, brain fart. Uh, you talked about how good a receiver you uh, uh, is out of the backfield for San Francisco. I remember it. Uh, I was going to say, these days have come and gone. The days of Tom Rathman. The oh, days of Mike Allstott, a guy who could absolutely just run over you, but out of the backfield, be able to make catches as well. Even a John Ritchie for you Eagle fans who uh, go back far. It's not all that far, but far enough to remember John Ritchie. That is no longer part of the National Football League as we know it. The fullback who catches the ball out of the backfield at one point was a pretty important position. And a lot of teams, I'd say most teams, more than half, had a player that they used that fullback who was also part of the passing game. He's basically the only one left in the league at this stage, wouldn't you say? Um, I think there are seven fullbacks uh, that play at least a little bit. So we're down to uh, I right. so here, here's, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, here's how you determine if they're actually legitimate part of the passing game. They get one catch a week. That's not a lot to ask. One catch a week. So how many fullbacks in the league last year caught 17 passes? That's a good question. I would have to look that up. <laughs> Not many. I mean, I, I don't even think if you uh, um, if you go, you know, Kyle probably gets up in the, you know, well, when he was in Baltimore, he would get probably up in the 40s maybe occasionally. Now, I, he doesn't catch it as much as Sanford. He's probably in the 20s, I would say, but I would have to look it up. Um, yeah, there's not a lot. I mean, I know there's seven, and I only know that because of 
pro football focus grades. They grade they only grade seven, seven fullbacks. Yeah. That's all they grade. Yeah, that was so. That's the guys that that played at least a little bit. And I'll try to look that up uh, as we get to break. But and you can call and and I'm uh, a sorry for interrupting you. And I don't disregard the way pro football focus looks at things. But you correctly pointed out that you can't forget about Usyk coming out of the backfield because if you do, he'll catch the ball, turn it upfield, make twenty yards on you, and that's a nice little uh, tool to have in your toolbox if you're San Francisco. My point is nobody uses that tool anymore. They're it. No. They're the only team. If anybody else does it, it's a complete uh, surprise. It's not part of their uh, weekly package that they're putting together that, you know, at some point they're going to uh, call this one and try and implement it on us. No, nobody in the National Football League does that anymore. All right. I got I got it for you. There's a few, but very few. Uh, uh, Baltimore, Patrick Ricard, he plays the most of any fullback. He got 41 reps in in week one. Uh, then it was uh, targets. Uh, no, I don't have targets, but I mean guys who play just full. I'm, I'm guessing zero or one target. Uh, yeah, I've looked that up when we get to the break. But I'm just trying to get the fullbacks to play. C.J. Ham in Minnesota, he plays. Alex Ingold in Las Vegas, he plays a little bit, and Kyle Yuschek, Um Keith Smith in Atlanta, that worked out well for them. <laughs> and you know, J- Giovanni Ricci in Carolina and Andy uh, Janovich in Cleveland. That's about it. That's about yeah. it. How many of those names would you call household in the National Football League? Well, Ricard is. I mean, he he's made the Pro Bowl. Ham's made the Pro Bowl. They still have fullbacks in the Pro Bowl. And yeah, that's got to stop too. Please. Yeah, that should stop. You're right. Uh, so pro- people probably know those those names. Ushak, uh, obviously, everybody knows. Uh, that's about it. That's those, about it. Those guys. Right. I, those guys have all made the Pro Pro Bowl. So that's the only reason people probably know them. And again, and this is. They, I'm thinking of the NBA. Uh, NBA actually dictates potential contract size by awards. That if you're all NBA team, first team, second team, then you uh, could get a mega deal rather than just a uh, a max deal, a super max is what they call it. Which I got an issue and a problem with to begin with. Anyway, that something that's uh, someone else's opinion can dictate millions of dollars as to the size of your contract. I guarantee you agents use it. Hey, my guy's a pro bowl guy, whether it actually works or not. I don't know, but uh, they, that's just ridiculous that they still uh, yeah. mandate. I, I used to argue it was re- you brought up a very good fullback, uh, Mike Allstott. I used to argue way back then it was ridiculous to put even somebody like him in the pro bowl. Um, never mind now. Which you know he was, he was a good runner. He was a good running back. He just wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't amongst the top runners, and he wasn't the best blocker in the world. But they always had that fullback designation, and yeah, it's goofy. They shouldn't be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, 
Yeah, but then again, for years, they wouldn't put a long snapper in the Pro Bowl. And you say, well, yeah, they're pretty important. And now they put long snappers in the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, somebody's got to snap. Are you going to punt yeah. in the Pro Bowl? Yeah, you are. So yeah. somebody's got to snap and it. it would be, sometimes it would be ugly. Guys would have to go in there and try. Uh, uh, but uh, um, Rick Lovato made the Pro Bowl as a long snapper. By the way, one of the best long snappers I ever saw is a guy who is going to be in the Hall of Fame, Jared Allen. Unbelievable long snapper. It was amazing to watch. I, One of the best pass rushers in, in football, and he was a great long snapper. Okay, I'll the take best the word backup, back. Best backup long snapper in the history of the NFL. I I never knew that was on his resume. He has great backup long snapper. I, uh, you, you once again shown why you are the man week in and week out here on Birds 365. I didn't even know that was the case. But I'll put you to the test here before we get to a timeout. If the Philadelphia Eagles this week had to designate a fullback, who would it be? <laughs> uh, Jack Stoll. Jack Stoll occasionally goes back there and Acts you like sure, a you sure it's not Andre Dillard? Because you're trying to sell us on Dillard as a tight end with your undercover reporting well, earlier in the show. You think they throw him back there in the backfield? Come no. on, Andre, you earn that money, earn that first round draft pick status. Get out By there the way, and lead block. You know, that was, you know, obviously William Perry was probably the most famous, uh, the refrigerator. That can work. Vita Via was doing that for uh Tampa Tampa Bay. I mean, that could work. I Randall McDaniel used to do it. Um, totally it could a good work. Athlete. It could work. Um, uh, but I, but Jack Stoller did was the one who did it when they did do it. I didn't give you the Andre stuff because they lined him up a tight end. That's why. And I'm saying if they can line him up a tight end, why not line him up as fullback as well? All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jordy McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys. We'll come back, continue to look at the Niners against the Eagles. Showdown Sunday, we'll talk a little bit about the fact that the link will be filled. Yes, I'm making a prediction right now. We'll all go off on predictions of the final score of the game till next hour. But I'm predicting right now, sellout Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Eagle fans back in full voice against the 49ers coming up on Sunday. All right, Rob Marty going to join us next hour. We'll come right back here on Birds 365. Stay with us. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. 
so good it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Mac guys here on Bird 365 on a football Friday. The countdown to the showdown between the 49ers and the Eagles is very much on. Uh, we're both talking about that matchup, but some around the uh, lead things as well. I, I do want to throw a couple more uh, NFL points by John before we punch up Rob Motti from the Associated Press, who covers the entire league. But you got to love Rob. Uh, when I asked him to come on the show, I said, you can take uh, – the boy out of Philly, but you can't take Philly out of the boy. Even though he's covering the entire league, he seems to me to be involved in every Eagles uh, Zoom uh, media session. He always is uh, hopping aboard and always seems to get a question, too. So uh, looking forward to talking to Rob next hour. Um, J-Mac, do want to get your take on the fact that – and, uh, well, first let me uh, give credit where credit is due – to our very own Jeff Kerr, who Monday here on Birds 365 – at least as far as I know, was the first one of the media to put out there as to why Jason Kelsey was blonde. He had actually talked to uh, Kelsey's brother after the Kansas City game, and he had told him that Jason was blonde because he had lost the bet to Zach Kurtz. And he gave us that nugget here Monday on the show, and then uh, everybody uh, went with the story yesterday because there's a first availability for Kelsey since and he admitted, yes, that was the case. He lost the bet to uh, Zach Ertz, and that's why he has to go blonde, at least for a period of time here this year. And uh, you got to like to hear that he said he was happy to have lost the bet because the bet was that uh, Ertz would be here. And Ertz was saying he was, and Kelsey said, no, he believed he was going to be traded. And Zach Ertz is still here, which is a good thing for this year's Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he is one of the true leaders of the team and a colorful character. And that's why I think he's one of the more beloved guys here in Philadelphia. So give uh, Jeff Kirk credit, at least here on Birds 365. He was able to break that sh- uh, that news. Um, Eagles offensive line against the 49ers defense coming up on Sunday, J-Mac. 
Jordan Mailata did a very good job week one at the highlight block of the entire game after signing his big contract extension. Are they just going to let him go one-on-one against Bosa? Are you going to see extra guys, be they running backs or the tight end on that side, chipping to make sure that Bosa takes a little extra hit before he ever goes one-on-one with Mailata? How are How is the offense going to handle one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League this week? Well, I think you you try at the beginning to let the left tackle see if he can do it. And if he can't do it, you got to adjust from there. Um, and then you got to start bringing the tight end over the – the chips I've, I've heard people say that um you know they gave jordan my all that money you got to leave him over there alone i i agree with that from the standpoint of you got to let him try as i just said you got to let him try it but if it doesn't work and his contract is not that outrageous in fact it's very team friendly uh for a left tackle in this league so i i think there's not the understanding from that perspective as well but you always want Similar to the defensive side of the ball with Jonathan Gannon and Jim Schwartz and every other defensive coordinator in the history of the world, you want to get home with four. But if you can't, you got to try, you, you got to keep going. You got to try five. You can't get home with five. You got to try six. And that leaves you open on the back end. You got to try. You got to try to block them. If you can't, you got to adjust. You got to give them some help. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, uh, were you uh, on the Eagles beat when D'Amico Ryans was here as a player, Johnny Mac? Um, not on the beat, but I was here. I was doing uh, national stuff, more national. So I would be down at the Novacare complex quite a bit, uh, but not every day. Um, but yeah, I got to know D'Amico. He's, uh, he's one of those guys who you knew – would have a future in coaching if, if he wanted to have a future in coaching. He was just he was just one of those guys. So he was like a a Jason Kelsey of the defense. He was he was just that natural leader. Uh, could really get his points across well. Uh, so it's no surprise that he was on the fast track when he decided he wanted to be a coach. And that's exactly where I was going because uh, again I'm not a in the locker room kind of guy, but a couple of people had told me uh, one, an ex player, one, a guy who covered the Eagles on a day in day out basis that this guy's going to be a coach someday. And I said, okay, I'll take your word for it. He seems like a really hands-on leader, heady player on the field. If you tell me that he's got all those coaching traits, I'll certainly buy into it. And damn, he did elevate pretty damn fast. John, becoming a coach is one thing. To get to defensive coordinator level as quickly as he has is pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it is. It's very impressive. And obviously, a lot of it comes down to the fact that, you know, you think about the guy that was there before, Robert Sala, who's now uh, the head coach of, mm. of your club, the New York Jets. So he's so well regarded. And then you start looking about, okay, how do we keep this going? How do we keep that Salah influence? And he comes, as I said, from, you know, all the Seattle, the cover three influences. Uh, and you want to bring up the next guy. And that's sort of how you do it when you have a successful coaching staff. Um, and we'll see if D'Amico can handle uh, – it, it's a difficult job. And obviously they had the big lead in week one and kind of fell apart late in the game. 
Jared Goff was throwing the football all over the place. So, you know, we saw with, with Andy Reid was probably the best indication of this. That first Andy Reid coaching staff was just, if you look at it, you, you your jaw drops. How many, how many great assistant coaches are, were on that particular staff? And then you start to have the attrition, the attrition, the attrition, and other people hire these guys and you replace them. It's never quite as good. So we'll see if D'Amico Rhines can be as good as, as Robert Sala. Usually, it's usually like a Xerox copy. Every time you copy it, it gets a little bit less clear uh, when you move on from good assistant coaches. But, you know, got to root for D'Amico Ryans, especially if you're an Eagles fan, because he, um, he was a big part of this team under Ch- Chip Kelly. Chip was the one who coined Mufasa because he was such a, <laughs> a natural leader, uh, D'Amico Ryans. He was uh, spent four seasons here in Philadelphia as a player, but has now made himself a pretty damn important. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And coach with the 49ers very quickly. All right, uh, one other note I want to get in before we punch up our buddy Rob Motti. The announcement came down last night, and uh, there was some speculation that it was going to be the death knell for hard knocks. Now, you know, I asked about I, hard knocks. I, I was hoping my fingers were crossed. Are you kidding me, Tony? I'm a big Hard Knocks fan. I've oh. always loved the show. I had to admit there was a little disappointing this year. I thought the Cowboys would be interesting. It was pretty damn boring. I did not want to hear that Hard Knocks was going by the wayside. Not only is it not going by the wayside, but it's making a quick return. Yeah. Within the I, next I thought it was weeks. over. I really did. I thought it was either over or if it wasn't over, they were switching platforms that so would go to, you know, a different platform uh, than HBO. Or that would be the best case scenario. I did not see this coming, so I give them credit with that curveball. So we'll get to see Carson Wentz deal with all the freaking vaccine questions. Uh, that'll be compelling television. Uh, yeah, all right. Let's do it again, I guess. In season. With the Indianapolis Colts, as John mentioned, Carson Wentz at all and all the issues that the Colts are dealing with. Uh, Frank Reich, he's got a personality. He's not chock full. I wouldn't call him the most intriguing man in NFL coaching, but he's also not a, a, a wet blanket. Um, I guess they're trying to revive the franchise, and they came up with this, this as a what, potential yeah. solution. The Colts are the team they decided. I, I, to- I do think the regular season, maybe they're on to something because the old format had run its course. I mean, if you remember back to the early days of hard knocks, well, first of all, I mean, fans weren't privy to that kind of stuff. So it was all new. And, you know, one of the biggest parts was the Turk, which is a really, you know, bad day 
for NFL teams. Nobody likes it. The coaches don't like to tell people they're cut. They don't, obviously the people cut don't like it. And it's uh, a really, you know, emotional time for, for players, uh, especially, and you know how we are. So they don't even show that anymore because it's too private a moment. And once you lose the compelling nature of it, it kind of loses its grip on, on the viewers at least in the regular season, you have more, you know, you have a different uh, narrative to go down because every team is a little bit different. They go through different adversity during a season. They have different injuries. Uh, you can see how that affected. So I could see how it would be become more compelling again. Now, we got to see how much access they really have and how much they're going to show us. Right, and that's the key to uh, Hard Knocks every single year is the team does control the content of the show. If there is something you don't want to see, you can say, well, that's not going to be aired. Uh, so the, uh, the HBO and, and, and the people that produce the show have to deal with that on a week-in, week-out basis that they don't have final say of what they can use. So uh, that will make or break the show as to how uh, revealing the Colts want to be it's going to start mid-November and potentially run all the way through the rest of the season. Now, this year's Hard Knocks, I believe, was five episodes because um, it is just training camp. Uh, if they start in mid-November and go all the way, is this going to go eight or nine, nine or ten episodes? They said if they make the playoffs, it could continue into the playoffs. Wow. Well, are we well, going to be tired of Carson Wentz by the time well, the end of the season rolls are. around? I think people here are already tired of Carson Wentz, but um, they want to see him play. They just don't – actually, they don't want to see him play. They want to hear that he played and make sure they get to that 70 or 75% threshold um, so the Eagles can get their extra first-round pick. Although, ultimately, if the Colts are really bad, you know what's going to happen, Jody. They're going to get right to 65% if they're a bad football team, and they're going to bench him and they're going to keep their first-round pick, and people are going to get really, really angry. So you got to root for the Colts to be at least in the mix. And I don't know. That doesn't look like a very good football team right now. They've had a lot of issues uh, with injuries. Uh, Quentin Nelson uh, doesn't seem to be healthy. Um, You know, Carson obviously had the foot injury. Uh, but was able to get back, but he did not play well, man. He, he looked exactly like he looked here. He did not play well. Here's what I'll uh, make a prediction on. Uh, the saving grace for the Eagles in getting that first-round pick from the Indianapolis Colts is going to be the fact that this year's AFC South is a lot like last year's NFC East. Yeah, it's not good. Carson Wentz was in the playoff race until the next, the last week, or the Eagles were in the playoff race until actually Jalen Hurts was in the playoff race because Carson had already taken up his spot on the bench. But the Eagles were in it till the next, the last week of the season. I think you could probably say the same about the Colts this year. Tennessee got manhandled week number one. Okay, you believe the Houston Texans are going to win a bunch of games because they won week one? I don't. They might be in it. So somebody's got to win that division, and I don't think the Colts will fall from grace far enough that they'll go, oh, well, we got to tank. Which, by the way, if any Eagle fans get upset because they tank, I got two words for you. 
Nate Sudfeld. So it does happen in the National Football League. That Nate's when coming draft, back, by the way. Nate's coming back to Philly. You're going to get an interview with him? I know you two are like this. I hope so. Nate's a great guy, man. Is he, he really is. is. He really is. Thank I God. know everyone portrayed him as a make a wish kid, but he's a he's a he's a competent. Uh, now nah, I'm going too far. He's yeah. a very he's a very good guy. Um, he he's been in the league as mainly a practice squad quarterback, but uh, a pretty lengthy time. You got to give him credit for hanging around. Third string. That's Nate Judfeld. Oh, he's a third string. If that, yeah. He's he, not a backup quarterback. He's, he's a, a backup third. quarterback in the Super Bowl, though. Think about what could have went wrong there. That's scary stuff. He's a third-string quarterback. That's what Nate said. Even if the owner uh, decides to name him the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld, deems him the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld, no. He, he, was, a, he was a play away from Super Bowl action. Uh, how how all of our lives could have changed if that's the way it had played out. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, hoping to hear from Rob Muddy from the Associated Press. Is covering the entire National Football League these days. Was the Eagles beat guy for AP for a very long time. Uh, we uh, supposedly going to get Rob Muddy punched up next. Right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. 
call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Welcome back, guys. Here with Young Bird 365 Football Friday. Niners and Eagles coming up on Sunday at the link. We're going to talk uh, mostly that with our next guest, but he covers the whole league now, so we're going to hit a whole bunch of topics with him. Uh, yes, as I said to him in the text I sent him last night, you can take the boy out of Philly, but you can't take Philly out of the boy. He may be living down there in Florida, although you'd never know because he's got a hoodie on. Well, you're in Florida. What the hell are you wearing a sweatshirt for, Marty? I'm getting ready for my uh, trip back to Philly this weekend. What's the weather like up north? Right. It's still, still hot. Still oh, humid, okay. Rob. Right. Still, right. still so humid. I can leave the sweatshirt here? Yeah, you, you can leave it. You can leave it there. Uh, Indian summer. That's it. It's good to see you, Rob. I was hoping to see you in Atlanta. I was, I, I, I was, I was looking for you. Uh, how is Florida, first of all? How was the move? How's the new gig at the Associated Press? Man, it's it's good. It's been busy. We've been um, working hard. Uh, you, you know, you move in. I didn't know what goes into moving. I have not. I've never moved this uh, uh, far before. I've always bounced around South Jersey. But when you move from uh, New Jersey to uh, to Florida, there's so much stuff, man. There's so we're still unpacking boxes. It's probably going to be like it's going to probably be like this for another few months. But it, it it's cool. You know, I'm I'm looking outside right now. It's a it's a, this is my view. In the morning. Oh, Damn. Oh, there we oh, go. I don't know if you can see that. So yeah, yeah no, very not, nice. Not bad, not bad. So having fun, having fun. But it, you know what? It rains a lot down here. It rains a lot in this time of year. So uh, I'm looking for. I'm. I have not been away from Philly this long continuously in my life. It's been about 49 days. So, wow. He's a homeboy. Well, yes, we want to we, we want to ask you about your homeboy squad, even though you're not here every single day. As I said just last segment on the show, it doesn't stop Rob Matty from being involved because I hear you ask a question on every <laughs> Eagles media availability, and uh, they give you the props and your question every single time. How impressed were you with what the birds showed week one? Man, extremely impressed, guys. I, I did not think they were going to go out there and dominate the way they did. The offensive line was incredible. The defensive line controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, and to be able to uh, hold Matt Ryan and that offense, although they're not what uh, Matt Ryan was in his MVP years, but the two field goals and the six points, I thought was very, very impressive. The offense, Jalen Hurts, complete command, control, ability to move the ball. They put up – 32 points. This is uh, people will look at it and go, well, you beat a bad team. I'd rather dominate a bad team than barely beat a bad team. So it, it tells me that maybe uh, I had the Eagles at seven wins this year, maybe. And I'm not ready after one game to automatically change that to 10 or 11. But may, they seem to be on the right track and they can make progress from here. Rob, you and I have have heard a lot of coaches over the years talk about the players and how you have to accentuate the strengths of your players, mask as many deficiencies as possible, got to be malleable to the talent you have. That's a good first step for Nick Sirianni. He really schemed up Jalen Hurts. We're talking about 52%, 52%, all offseason. Can you get that accuracy up? Week one is 77%. 
not a lot of air yardage. So my question to you is, is this sustainable? Obviously, the adjustments are going to start this week. Yeah, and and now the San Francisco 49ers, who present a more formidable defense than Atlanta, although they're banged up in a secondary, they have some film on what the Eagles and Nick Sirianni look like, what they look like offensively, schematically, what they want to do, how they do it, how they attack. We didn't see anything from the preseason. Teams didn't have any film on the Eagles in the preseason. So now the adjustments are going to have to come in. But we heard from Nick and from, from all the guys who he coached with and players that he coached earlier throughout the offseason say he's a player's coach. He's a guy who's going to help you learn. He's going to teach you before he tells you what to do. Uh, he's going to, he, he said that my system is catered around the strengths and, and, and of the skill sets of my, of my players. And we saw exactly that in week one. Is it sustainable? I would like to think that he will continue to be that kind of coach, a guy who's going to go in week in and week out and game plan because guys, you know, this, you, you can have one, one way you like one philosophy, one offensive system, and then, this week, maybe against a different opponent, you got to do things differently. Sometimes you got to run a ball more, depending on what the defense gives you. Sometimes you're going to have to, you're going to take some more shots downfield. Sometimes you're going to have different ways that you can attack a defense based on who they are and what they like to do. And I think Nick Sirianni is a coach who will try to do that from uh, week in to week out. There was some debate about that as to which was dictating. Was it the defense? dictating to the Falcons or the Falcons playing into the Eagles defensive hands. Arthur Smith was this very highly respected head coach hire because he had done such a good job in Tennessee as their offense coordinator. I think John called him lost in the first hour of the show. And I would tend to agree. He looked lost on the sidelines and called those games. How much credit should Jonathan Gannon and that Eagle defense get for basically taking the Falcons out of anything that they wanted to do? I think you got to give them a lot of credit because you still have a quarterback in Matt Ryan who, who last year had a very, although it was a down year for the whole team, he was very efficient. Uh, Calvin Ridley's a, a solid receiver. And I thought Kyle Pitts would have a monster debut. And, and I, I thought he'd be in the eight to 10 catch range and, and certainly near a hundred yards. And the Eagles were able to effectively take him out of the game. So uh, I, I'm looking at, at the way they were able to approach and attack the, the Falcons aggressively and they didn't have to they didn't have to blitz he didn't have to do all kinds of different things like that and, and they got pressure up front and that's where the Eagles are going to dominate with that pressure up front and they're able to rotate they're deep that defensive line is deep and I, I love having fresh legs in the fourth quarter because you're going up against offensive linemen who've been out there for four quarters they don't get plays off like a defensive lineman do defensively they those guys rotate. The offense is out there the whole game, and I, I love that the Eagles have enough depth up front that they can do that. So I thought that was a major first step for the Eagles and, and defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Rob, did you get any uh, – Jody brought up Arthur Smith. Did you get any 2016 vibes? If you go back to 2016 and, you know, Adam Gase was the hot candidate, the Eagles tried to hire Ben McAdoo – all of a sudden, they had to settle for Doug Peterson. I put that in quotations. Um, all we go, we fast forward to 2021. This coaching carousel, Arthur Smith was the hot guy. If it wasn't Arthur Smith, it was Robert Sala. The Eagles got a late start, they managed to get interviews with these guys, but they were already deep in negotiations and they were already the, the die was cast. 
where they were going. Eagles wait, 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 wait. They pick a guy who not a lot of people outside the league knew. Any any of those same vibes this time oh, around? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and that's why I caution everyone, don't get so overly excited. Hey, enjoy the win. It was a great win. It was a dominant win. And now you got the San Francisco 49ers coming up. Because if we look back at 2016, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz started 3-0 and that year. And the third win was destroying the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe it was 34 Yeah, that was great, yeah. right? Yeah. So they go 3-0, and and then they go into a bye, come back off a bye. They lose a little momentum, go to Detroit and lose that game. And uh, Slay gets the first Carson Wentz interception. If you remember, Ryan Matthews has a, a fumble in that one. So we've seen hot starts before. Uh, we've like I don't know that it gets any better than a three and zero September in the way Carson played it that in that month. So uh, I, I think we can slow down on putting the Eagles uh, in the NFC playoffs and winning the East division right now. It, it's a terrific first win. It's an awesome start. And uh, the, the one thing that I, I, I feel is different, though, about this team than that one is that at least here you've had guys, a good mix of veterans who've won the Jason Kelsey's, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson's, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham's, guys like that, Rodney McLeod, who's coming back hopefully in a couple of weeks, guys who've won and then younger players, uh, the Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, Moss Sanders, who are hungry to get there. And, and, and I think there's, there's really good leadership on this team. And, and man, I, I've wanted to see what Jalen can do under center for a full season. And uh, it looks like we're going to really get that opportunity, and I'm excited for him going forward. Rob, after the Eagle game ended, uh, at least – uh, on the CBS affiliate or the Fox affiliate up here. They jumped over to the Lions and the 49ers. I had been following the score and knew when Debo Samuel scored a 79-yard touchdown midway through the third, it put the Niners up by 28 points. <laughs> and now here go the Lions driving because they just converted an onside kick and they score. They're going to get another onside kick. It's one score, eight points. And finally, the 49ers fell on the onside kick and the game was over. But the Lions did rally to get within that one score. Um, the Lion, uh, the 49er defense just take their foot off the throttle. Is it maybe not as good as advertised that they let the Lions get back into the game? We've uh, digested and broken down the Eagles' first game as much as we can. What do you make of the Lions? A win is a win is a win, but it was a win that you shouldn't have had to sweat, and you weren't sweating at the end of the game if you were a Niner fan. Yeah, it's one of those victories for the 49ers that you, you come out of it with a little bit of a bad taste because you were outscored 23-3 to to finish the game. You still get the W. You don't even get the cover for those who bet because they care about that stuff. But you, you, can, you, come, you come out of that game with, with, a, with a W and, and you lost 20. You were outscored towards the end there. Yeah, I do think a little bit of that, Jody. You, you, get, up that, you get up by 28 points. You take, your, uh, you take a little bit of the foot off the gas and, and the, the same energy level is not there. But then you got to give a little bit of credit to Dan Campbell and the Lions for getting his team to continue to, you know, you always say, oh, we're going to play for all four quarters and it's a 60 minute game and it's it's not over and well for them it wasn't and, and they kept coming back and they kept coming back and how rare is it nowadays that teams actually uh, convert on a on, on side kick so that, that that'll help uh, th those percentage points for those numbers but but and the Niners also had a uh, some some injuries defensively losing a linebacker losing uh, Jason Verrett and the cornerback who I think is going to be a big loss for them and that'll show up this week so 
this is a tough, formidable defense, but it's not one that the Eagles cannot have success against. So I'm really interested in the chess match, what, what it's going to look like, because you're going against uh, an offense that schematically does so many different things. And, and there's going to be you're going to have to be so disciplined defensively. But then on the other side, how's Nick Sirianni going to attack uh, a defense that now has got some injuries? The secondary certainly looks uncertain. What's Josh Norman have left uh, at his age coming coming back, signing a couple weeks ago and, and then Kirkpatrick signing this week? So I think there's going to be opportunities to attack that secondary and we may see some shots deep downfield this week that we didn't see week one against Atlanta. Hey Rob, I want to ask you about the 49ers running scheme, that running game, because it's so impressive. But before I get to that, you mentioned Rodney McLeod. I know you had him on your AP uh, pro football podcast, by the way, you recently had Eli Manning as well. So people should go check that out. But Rodney, uh, obviously coming back about right at that nine month mark, uh, coming off the torn ACL, which I believe happened December 13th last year. Um, getting closer, what was the timing of that interview? You said a couple weeks. I don't expect to see Rodney this week. Is that, uh, uh, is that your feeling as well? Yeah, John. Uh, I so I sat down with him last week, towards the end of last week, and, and my my thinking, and he, you know, he's going week to week, day to day. That that's how he's going out there, getting ready. I, I kind of feel like we probably won't see him before week three. That might be the earliest uh, that we see him. Now, uh, you know, it's it's going to be determined by the doctors and how they feel. But like you said, nine months out from an ACL injury, that's usually. Uh, right around the time you see guys starting to come back and, and then how, how much are they going to, you know, when you're playing that position at safety and he's like their last line of defense back there. Uh, I, I know he's been able to go out there and practice and he's had another ACL injury before. So he knows what it takes. He understands his body, the knee, the rehab process, everything. But uh, you, you got to be ready. You got to be a hundred percent or as, as close to it as possible when he gets back out there. So I wouldn't anticipate uh, I'll see in Rodney McLeod until at, at least next week, but maybe even a little bit longer than that. Maybe the end week four or early October. I'd hold him out. If I'm the Eagles, I'd hold him out uh, in, until uh, may, maybe you look, you look at the, uh, the first week of October. <clears throat> Darn, you wanted to ask him about uh, the Broncos, uh, excuse me, the 49ers. Uh, schematically, team. yeah, we got to talk, uh, Rob, with Javon Hargrave yesterday. And Javon was uh, really effusive in his praise. He's not the only one for Kyle Shanahan's uh, running scheme. It seems like Raheem Mostert out, as we know, all of a sudden they throw a rookie six-round pick. You can go all the way back to his dad, Mike Shanahan, and Alex Gibbs in Denver. It was like anybody could run for 100 yards behind the Denver Broncos. When you talk to people about this running scheme, the Shanahan sort of base running scheme, why, why is it so much different than everybody else's? What do they do so well? Yeah, a lot of movement uh, and, and, and the variations that he has off certain plays, how, how many different – you know, you see, you see a lot of guys going uh, in motion and, and all of those pre-snap – movement that the Niners have I, I don't I don't know why teams haven't been able guys to just sit down dissect that figure that out defensively analytically look at it and go all right wait there's no like, there's no giveaways in the tendencies when they do they may run a certain formation 
and then not hand the ball off to uh, uh, that's do it two plays in a row or three plays in a row. And, and it may look the same, but somebody else is going to, they're going to do something different with it. So I, I think that that's key. Like you said, when you have anybody who can step in there, Elijah Mitchell, last week steps in rookie six round pick hundred plus yards. Like I kind of feel like, uh, remember Ernest Jackson had a, a thousand yards one year for Buddy Ryan. And no, before Buddy Ryan got there and he cut him, he goes, Yeah, you give him a ball a thousand times, he's gonna get a thousand, he's gonna get a thousand yards. So let's go find Ernest Jackson and plug him into this 49ers offense and see how many yards he can get rushing but for Kyle Shanahan. I, I actually thought that was Heath Sherman who they gave it to a thousand yards. He, he, he got 35 carries for, I'll never forget it, 35 carries for 87 yards. Rich Kotite <laughs> gave him against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, in, in 91 when they had the defense that was best across the board. I, and Jeff Fiegel's fumbled a punt. Uh, they lose to Vinny Testaverde. Like, I, I, I was in high school and I had a, I had to like stay for detention and write like a thousand word essay or something, something crazy. So I started breaking down that game for, yeah, I guess I was destined to be a sports writer. <laughs> I'll never forget yeah. that game. I, I was on WIP the day after that game. And yeah, break it down for the yeah. Eagle fans who wanted to hear nothing about it. All right. Uh, before we let you go, Rob, uh, now that you're the national guy, if the Eagles win handily over the Falcons, wasn't the most surprising game in the NFL week number one. The Green Bay Packers beatdown at the hands of the New Orleans Saints was for me. I actually thought the Saints were taking a step back without Drew Brees. I like the fact that they gave Jameis the job just because I don't like Taysom Hill a little bit as a starting quarterback. But damn, Jameis looked great. And Aaron Rodgers looked like old man Father Time had caught up with him real fast. Don't know if it's that or just all the drama. Um, which was it more of? I'm sure it was a combination of the two. Underrated Saints, overrated Packers. Uh, I think the Saints are a little bit underrated, but Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that shocked me, Jody. That that game, I was excited about that one, sitting there getting ready to watch <laughs> that. And he looked like a guy who spent the offseason hosting Jeopardy and contemplating retirement. That's exactly what he looked like because uh, he he was completely lost out there. And, and the Saints, I thought they would take a, a steep drop after losing Drew Brees. But it, it looks like, and this is only one game, but it looks like Jameis Winston stepped in there and, and had a, an incredible performance, five touchdowns on, on less than 150 yards passing. And uh, it, it was it was a, a phenomenal performance for the Saints. I, I'm, I don't think, and the Green Bay Packers have the perfect opponent to get right this week, the Detroit Lions on a Monday night football game. And they, they might be that might be a beat down the opposite direction. I don't think the Packers – are, are going to be written off after one week. I thought it was interesting, though, afterwards when LaFleur says this is embarrassing and maybe uh, there's still some lingering resentment <laughs> and issues because when they when they present Aaron with that and they say, yeah, your coach said it was embarrassing, and he's like, well, I would just say, he can say that, I would just say it's one game and we move on from that. So I think there's a lot of uh, leftover from the tumultuous offseason, and, and I would anticipate that the Packers will get right back on track. I had them as my Super Bowl team coming out of the NFC. Well, it's a good division. They're going to have time to get uh, to get right. And uh, what do you think, you know, the NFC North, 0-1, I think everybody, all four lost week one. A lot of people talk about the AFC South. Uh, what do you think the worst division is in football? Could the NFC East – be usurped for the worst division in football? 
the NFC North outside of Green Bay may give the NFC East a run for being the worst division. But as long as Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers are there, I, I still think they're a double-digit win team, whereas the NFC East will only have, uh, I believe, only one team will get to 10, and that'll be Dallas. Uh, and, and, and then the other – to me, the East will be 7 to 10. Bottom team 7, top team 10, and they'll all be fighting, fighting it out in December. But, hey, Washington and New York offensively, the Giants on Thursday night football, they, they moved the ball. And I, I was impressed yeah. with Daniel Jones against a tough defensive front, his ability to, to move the ball. Like they, the offense actually looked like they, they had a few more uh, – some more creativity with the Giants offense. And they should have won that game. Darius Slayton catches that that deep ball. They, they should win that game. They don't go offside. They should – they should win that game, and I'm not just saying that because I had the Giants on the money line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Moneyline, since it is a football Friday and we've got your board, you got to tell us, are the Eagles coming out of the game against the 49ers 1-1 one and one or 2-0 and oh and still in sole possession of first place in the NFC East? Hey, I was wrong week one. I had them losing to the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm so gonna do I. yeah, I'm gonna continue down that and 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 hope I'm wrong every week. This week I'm, I'm still gonna take the Niners. I like uh odd scores. I'm gonna go 22-20 49ers. I just think that this team is is a real a lot of people like the Niners as a they were not a popular Super Bowl pick, but uh uh somewhat fashionable. And I thought, hey, when you you have an unsettled situation at quarterback, I don't think you could be a Super Bowl yeah. team. But this is a team two years removed from being in a Super Bowl. They had they were devastated by injuries last year, uh, and most of their guys are healthy now. They got some secondary issues now. They got a linebacker uh, injury that they have to overcome. But uh, I still think they're too good. And if the Eagles can win this one, man, they can make me a believer. But right right now, I, I still think the 49ers will find a way to pull it out. Uh, 22-20. So you said you were coming back up. Was this to cover the Eagle game on Sunday, or are you finally getting the last of your you-know-what out of Jersey and down to Florida? No, no, I'm, 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 co I'm coming up to I, – I, I'm I still got six Eagles games I'm going to cover this year, so you're yeah. going to see me a lot down at the link, and I'll be hopping on those uh, Zoom calls when, when I can and, and making an appearance in person. So excited about that, John. All right, I will see you there, Rob. They're practicing at Lincoln Financial Fields, so – Beautiful. Too bad you couldn't get up early. We could have lost practice. Like old times. <laughs> Mighty man, thank you much. We will be in touch plenty during the season. That's Rob Mighty from the Associated Press here with us on Birds 365. All right, J-Mac, you and I need to make our official predictions on the game. <clears throat> I'm going to go first just because I uh, changed my mind here I'm after stretching. listening to Rob Mighty. Yeah. If you'll remember, last week on Friday, we had Ed Kratz here. As our uh, final guest guest picker, uh, give us a score. And Ed Kratz went 23-20 Eagles. And I said, this is going to sound boring, but I got it written down here on my sheet right here. 23-20 Eagles. So Ed Kratz and I both agreed on the score. And Ed Kratz and I were both right. Not really on the closeness of the game, but we had the Eagles winning. I was going to say 23-20 again. But I was leaning toward the 49ers. But since Rob Motti went 22 to 20, and last week I agreed with our uh, guest picker yeah, right at the end of the 20. show. All right. I am doing the I same like exact thing again. I am going to agree with Rob Motti. And that way, if you take an Eagles plus the three <clears> points, <throat> actually a winner, I will take 22 20 San Francisco 49ers. All right. You. Well, here's where you made your mistake, Jody. 
You didn't. You should have let me go first because okay. then you would have realized you shouldn't have picked the San Francisco 49ers okay. because I'm picking the San Francisco oh. 49ers. So, yeah, I have the 49ers winning 26-21, similar, in the similar vein. I just think they have more playmakers, more proven playmakers. I think it's going to get back to more of a typical NFL game like last night, one score. But one score means it can tilt either way. So I'm not saying the Eagles don't have a chance, but they just have more proven proven guys on both sides of the football. Uh, and defensively, maybe not as much with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, but certainly offensively, uh, they've been doing it a little bit longer. Um, and and I do think you have that sort of human nature aspect of everybody patting you on the back. As much as the Eagles and Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts have talked about being very focused, they have a lot of young playmakers, and I'm not sure everybody's going to be so focused as as maybe other players. All right, so Rob Motti picked the 49ers in a close game. I picked the 49ers in a close game. John McMullen picks the 49ers in a close game. I'm going to get out of here early. I uh, I don't want to stick around and have to deal with the stream because they're not yeah. going to be happy with us. But that's what you got to do. You got to pick the way the game's going. You got to be honest. Right. You I got credit. it wrong. I got it wrong in week one. Just like Johnny Rob was Mike. on the Falcons I get last it wrong week. In week two. He may be wrong again, which would mean me and Rob are wrong yeah. too. But we shall see. We'll all take our medicine if the Eagles are victorious on Monday. All right. I do have to exit states left a little early today. Jeff Curry is going to hop in. Do the last segment with Johnny Mac. Keep it right here on Bird Street 65. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears the live post game show is powered by IBEW Local 98 Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Back, Birch 365, Mackless, only one Mac for you, but we have a special guest to close the show, and my usual replacement for the first time, I think, Jeff, it's Johnny Mac and Jeff Kerr together, by ourselves, with no Jody Mac, so we can have a lot of fun. How you doing? Well, we can have a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun after that Giants loss last night. I don't know about you, Johnny Mac. Yeah, I, I, what'd you think of that game? So let's start there for you. I, I, obviously, I didn't expect a shootout. I don't know. It, 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 I was impressed with Daniel Jones' athleticism, but a um, little disappointed, even though Washington won the football game. I think the strength of that team has to be their defense, defensive line specifically. They're giving up a little too many points, at least early in the season. Any concern there yet? Yeah, I'm going to be a little concerned. The first game when I rewatched the Chargers game, I'm thinking to myself, okay, Justin Herbert's really good. The Chargers are loaded on offense. That wasn't a surprise. But Daniel Jones lit him up last night. Daniel Jones was not the problem with the New York Giants. Everything around him was. Ultimately, I think the biggest issue is Washington, at least with Washington, they couldn't cover, you know, Kenny Galladay did not have a good night last night. And they seem to have problems covering him, even though he got eight targets, only had three catches. It's, I, I, I don't know, John, it, it just seems to me that Washington has to figure something out. And I think this team relies on their pass rush a lot. Chase Young, he did have a sack last night. I, I think they credited him with half a sack. I'm not actually sure. I got to look at the box score. But he's been relatively quiet these first two games. They only had one hurry in the first game. And last night, I got to look at the final stats for him. But really, his most noticeable play was a rough in the passer penalty that probably shouldn't have been called anyway. Now, from an Eagles perspective, who would you have rather won that game? When you look at things moving forward, to me, I would have rather have had the New York Giants win the game because I know the wheels are coming off there. And Washington has a little bit more talent from my perspective. So is that the way you kind of looked at it, to better to have Washington a little bit buried than the New York Giants? Yeah, no matter who was going to win or lose this game, I, I didn't think the winner uh, or the loser was going to go to the playoffs. And yeah. I didn't think the Giants were going to be a playoff team anyway, whether they won that game or not. Washington, that might have been – the win they needed to kind of get the shit right. And they needed this win because they got a bunch of tough games coming up on their schedule too. They could be like the Eagles and, you know, kind of start out a, a two and four or a two and five because of the way their schedule plays out that they're like Philadelphia. They play a lot of their NFC East games at the end of the season. It's a weird year for the division, but yeah, I didn't want to see really didn't want to see Washington win that game. It's, you know, I thought Antonio Gibson played great. Uh, Terry McLaurin was awesome last night. 
Logan Thomas is really good. I think they're going to be fine with Taylor Heineke. But, yeah, there are a lot of concerns on the strength of that team, and that's the defense. But overall, I, I think I would have rather saw the Giants win that game. It kind of gives you this false bravado that oh, we're from New York and we're going to play harder than everybody else. And, yeah, we're already seeing through two games. That ain't working. Very disciplined until you you can't jump offside on the I'm game. I'm a special when, teams coach. Yeah. From the special teams coach, yeah. Not look, not a good look for Joe Judge. All right, well, sh- I want to give you credit because Jody alerted me to the fact that you knew about Jason Kelsey's hair, the backstory before all of us, because you were talking to Travis um, and obviously lost a bet with Zach Ertz, and um, uh, he thought Zach Ertz wouldn't be here like all of us. Nobody thought Zach Ertz was going to be here except Zach Ertz. I asked Jason Kelsey this simple question. Why? Why'd you make that bet? Because wouldn't Zach have the inside information? Uh, he would He would know better than anybody else that there was going to be a move. But here's my question to you. Jason wouldn't tell us what he would lose, what, what Zach Ertz would lose. Did you get that from Travis Kelsey? He did not tell Travis that either. Like when – Travis found out about it. He actually wanted, in his words, he wanted to see it in the flesh. So he FaceTimed him and he said he didn't go too deep on the bet, but he was like, okay, you know, yeah, I know he lost a bet to Zach Ertz. And he said that's something to do with him being traded. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, so, (laughs) you know, what were they doing here? And, you know, I I was kind of hoping the whole offensive line would just tie their hair blonde at that point. I think that would be awesome, but. I just love how Travis goes, man. And, you know, I try not to laugh during these interviews, but he made me do it anyway because he looks like Jack Black. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on, man. Well, Jason's, yeah, Jason's wife is not ha- happy. Casey is not happy. Uh, he said he might shave it off. Um, it might go back to brown, but it's not going to stay blonde the whole year. So he doesn't have to do it for the whole year. So we're going to get the normal Jason Kelsey back at some point. Um, But it's good for Zach Ertz. And let's get to the game on Sunday, uh, because I do want to get your thoughts on that. Coming off a a big first win, obviously. I don't think anybody saw it coming. I think a lot of people thought the Eagles could win the football game. But to be that dominant, where are you in this sort of, human nature aspect of this where you have so many young players young playmakers especially on the offensive side of the football everybody's patting them on the back telling them how great they are Jalen Hurts is up 500 percent in jersey sales is that overblown or does that have a big impact we constantly see that in the NFL big week one lesser on week two or vice versa well you'll know how happy I was to hear Devonta Smith say, yeah, I don't really go out of the house. I kind of sit and play 2K all day, and that's what I did. I, you can tell, like, he went to Alabama. You can tell Jalen Hurts went to Alabama. Everything is all business with them. I tried to get out of Jalen Hurts any competition you have with Nick Sirianni. He goes, I'll save them for after the season. I'm like, all right, you know, I get it, the whole Alabama mentality thing. But I like that about the, this team. That You know, they're not leaving any stone unturned. It's okay, we're worried about the next week. And I, I think they're already leaders on that football team. You know, you saw the dance with Devonta Smith. It's That's the first time I've ever seen him 
do anything like that. Even when he won the national championship, I, I'd love to ask him what he did after he won the national championship. Cause that's when you would figure, Oh, you know, everybody's praising me and then I'll never have to buy a beer or anything in Alabama for the rest of my life. And he's just takes a whole hum approach to everything he does. And that's why I think he's going to be one of the great players. It, it's a Jerry Rice type of mentality with him. It's, I'm not going to look back at my accolades or I'm not really going to think too much about it. I'm just worried about, you know, the next week and who I'm facing. And I think that's going to rub off on a lot of these players, you know, because you know, a guy like Kenny Gainwell could get a big head. Oh, look, look what I did the first week. Yeah. I carry 34 yards touchdown. Well, no, I think because, you know, his teammates are like this, I think it's going to rub off on the entire locker room. Um, Nick Sirianni, I was – we we had Rob Motti on. I was talking to Rob about this as well. I want to I want to bounce this off you, Jeb. You get any 2016 vibes here? If you go back to 2016, the Eagles they might not admit it, but they wanted Adam Gase to be the head coach of this football team. Uh, after Adam Gase, they shifted to Ben McAdoo, who was on his way down the Jersey Turnpike to accept the job. Uh, they had to settle for Doug Peterson. Um, this time around, Arthur Smith, who we just saw, was the hot candidate. If it wasn't if it wasn't him, it was Robert Sala. Um, the Eagles got a late start. They did get the interview both, but it was more of a cursory thing. Those guys giving the Eagles a tip of the cap because Arthur was deep in negotiation with the Falcons. Robert was deep in negotiation with the Jets. The Eagles kind of settled for a guy not many people outside the league knew much about. Is lightning going to strike twice for this Eagles team? Better to be lucky than good, maybe? I'll tell you what, uh, John, not even lightning striking twice with them. Uh, the Eagles coaching history under Jeffrey Lurie has always been interesting. Like Ray Rhodes was like their eighth guy. And that ended up working well for two years. It, it, you know, the ending was terrible, but, you know, they wanted Dick Vermeil, they wanted Jimmy Johnson, Andy Reid, they wanted Jim Haslett. Thank God they didn't hire Jim Haslett. You know, <laughs> who would know how, what this franchise would look like right now? But, yeah, it always seems like the guy the Eagles want and don't get usually helps them out. It, it, it was almost a blessing in disguise that they fired Doug Peterson so late and they were able to uncover this gem in Nick Sirianni and, I remember, like, Nick Sirianni used to be, like, this quirky guy, too, when he did the offensive uh, coordinator press conferences with the Colts. And I don't think anybody ever took notice of it but because he was just a coordinator. But it's like, okay, like, this guy really knows a lot about football. And I'm like, I wonder how his first press conference is going to go when he got hired. And it didn't go well. And I'm like, well, well. I, yeah, he'll be a good coach in Philadelphia because Andy Reid's didn't. And, and Chip Kelly crushed his first press conference. That didn't end up too well. So... You know, it was interesting because Nick actually took that to heart, that first press conference, and he saw the criticism. He used it in his Saturday speech, which he didn't want to talk about. That's what he called embarrassing. But Brandon Graham kind of let the cat out of the bag. That's what he was talking about. Um, and the fact that uh, he got a lot of criticism. Um I think it's so impressive how malleable he is. All we talked about in the offseason was Jalen Hurts, 52% completion percentage. All of a sudden you get to week one, 77%. That's pretty good in one week. That's a pretty good jump. 
My question is obviously not a lot of air yardage. So he was scheming up Jalen Hurts. And that's been my theme of the week, Jeff, is sustainability. Is this sustainable? Um, the, you mentioned Chip Kelly, adjustments to the adjustments. If you keep doing the same thing, it's probably not going to be sustainable. One of my most impressive thoughts from Nick Sirianni post-Monday is talking about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. We can't just put him on the field to block. we got to put on film him catching the football. All these are positive signs. Can he do it? I, I think he can because I think he knows, okay, what worked against Atlanta will not work against San Francisco. And this is where I think the Eagles really got to open some things up a bit. I would have, if I'm Nick Sirianni, and I'm sure he's done this, he's probably watched that San Francisco-Detroit game about five or six times by now. And the one thing I noticed is just watching it once was if you run that 21 speed or if you get the ball to your running backs in the passing game, the 49ers defense was on skates. They could not stop uh, DeAndre Swift. They could not stop um, Jamal Williams. Those those two were all over the place. And I got to give Detroit a lot of credit. Like everybody thinks they're going to be terrible this year. And they, they are. But they seem to really play for this head coach. And, you know, I think I would play for a guy who wants to bite kneecaps off too and wants to bring a line to practice. I, Amon Ross St. Brown and, and I actually joked about that. Or something. He goes, do you actually think he's going to bring one? He goes, I really don't know. <laughs> I'm like, you know, he laughed about it. I thought that was really cool. Like, they, they really seem to like playing for a guy like that. But, I, you know, I, I feel like if you can get this 49ers team to over-pursue, be over-aggressive, which it looks like they do a lot just based on the first game, you can have something there. I think you should go to the running backs and the tight ends. I, this would be a nice time to kind of get a wrinkle out of Doug Peterson and his 12 personnel this week. Now, uh, I, I, you know, San Francisco is a talented team, far more talented than Atlanta. So if you had to point to one thing you are concerned about, I know what it is for me, and that's the running game. And I look at – I just put a little asterisk. It didn't matter. But early in the game, Eagles couldn't stop the run. We know Eric Wilson from his time in Minnesota. He's not, he's not a run-stuffing player. Is that a concern? Is that the biggest concern for you as well? Yeah, when I did my stock up, stock down for week one, uh, two of the, I only had like three or four guys, I think, on it. One was Boston Scott because he didn't play. But the other two were Eric Wilson and Jannard Avery. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. He, you know, and Avery played a lot. Yeah. He did not tackle well at all. And they have to figure something out there. Maybe Sean Bradley has to come in the game a lot because Kyle Shanahan's going to run that zone run no matter what. And he's going to do that to set up. Jimmy Garoppolo, so I'm expecting – first off, I'm expecting Trey Sermon to play and have a big game. I, I don't know why I think that. Maybe it's because all these years of watching the 49ers, it's just something Kyle Shanahan does. Eli Mitchell's another one. I just feel like he's going to test this Eagles run defense and say, you know what, you guys aren't going to – we're going to control the time of possession and we're going to keep controlling the time of possession. We're, gonna, we're not going to do what Atlanta did and let you off the hook after the first quarter. We're going to pound the ball, and you're going to have to stop us. And we're going to find creative ways to do that. And we're going to get George Kittle involved in this game, and we're going to see if you can cover him. Because, remember, he had 15 catches against his team last year. I know different defenses and such. But overall, it's – yeah, I'm very concerned about the run game. If the Eagles lose this game on Sunday, it's because they just couldn't tackle. 
Now, you bring up something, because you cover the league from a national perspective, Jeff. Uh, you brought up Trey Sermon, um, Brandon Ayuk as well, uh, although he's been banged up with a bit of a hamstring. There seems to be something going on with Kyle Shanahan and certain players, whether he he's not – and these are talented guys. What, what is going on out there? Why aren't they on the football field? What kind of message – is he trying to send? Is he trying to send a message? Well, that's the thing, too. I you got the hamstring injury, and I guess he re-aggravated it, but Shanahan made it look like he was in the doghouse for something. And I'm, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, what did this guy do? You know, and again, as a Brandon IU fantasy football owner, I wasn't too happy last <laughs> I, I pulled off a one-point win, but, the, you know, let's not get carried away here. But I, I'm thinking to myself, what did this guy do to – you know, he was their best playmaker last year, especially when everybody getting hurt. You're playing Trent Shurfield over him, and, yeah, he made it look like, oh, okay, like he wasn't rehabbing hard enough or, you know, maybe he wasn't giving it his all and he was just trying to send the message. But he said, look, the, you know, the air's cleared and Ayuk's been great since. So I guess whatever the issue was, it's maybe he just figured we're playing Detroit. We can beat this team without Brandon Ayuk. Who, who knows, but – I'm a little concerned, you know, you're an Eagles fan. I'd be a little concerned Brandon Ayuk may have one of those, like, nine catches for, like, 112 yards and the touchdown sort of thing or has, like, a big 50-yard touchdown run. Uh-oh, and then you got Debo Samuel on top of it. So before we get out of here, Jeff, I do want to get your thoughts. Who's going to win this game? I know where Jody landed, Rob Motti landed. I landed. Where is Jeff Kerr going to land? Let's see if everybody's on the same page with this one. I put when I do my preview, and it's out for CBS now. I basically don't lean until where I'm going to the exact last sentence, and I basically said the 49ers are going to squeak by. They're going to get by. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, I think the Eagles have an excellent chance to win this game. I don't think the 49ers are going to blow them out at all. And I said this is the perfect week for the Eagles to get the 49ers. But I said if the Eagles have their run issues like they did last week on stopping the run, they will not win this game. But there are plenty of ways they can win this game, and I pointed out every single one. But I had the 49ers winning a close one. I think it was 27-23 was my final score. Wow. Everybody's on the same page. Jody Mack has a close 49ers win. Rob Motti, I had a close 49ers win. Jeff Kerr, four for four. So do with that what you will. So, so that means Eagles uh, are going to win, right? Yeah, exactly. That that. So any of you who uh, like to partake in, in those types of things, betting, make sure you understand we have all taken the 49ers. So maybe, certainly from my perspective, that's probably – a good sign for Eagles fans because I, I got I got Atlanta. I got the Atlanta game very, very wrong. I want to thank you for stopping by, Jeff, finishing up the show for me with Jody Mack. Before I get out of here, I want to say tonight is the night. Jacob Media 2020 season ticket giveaway live special across the Jacob Media YouTube channel, 7 o'clock. So everybody's got to be there. Um, everybody in the Jacob Media Universe, the post-game show, uh, Derek Gunn, Mark Barzetta, Devin Caney, I'm a part of that. I don't know if we're getting Lane Johnson. We're probably not getting Lane Jackson. Uh, obviously, Lane Johnson for tonight. But 2020-2021 season ticket giveaway show live here on the Jacob Media YouTube page. Jeff Carr, you'll be back next week at some point. I know you're going to fill in for me on COVID Day. you got to do that. Can oh, you yeah. do Wednesday next week? 
Yeah, I'm in for ne- I'm in next Wednesday. I'm pretty sure um, the week you go to Dallas, I'm going to be in a lot. I know. <laughs> yeah, Dallas is going to be brutal. That's going to be a late night. That's a Monday night game, so you're probably going to be in. Eh, who knows? We'll figure it out. But yeah, if, if I'm not if I'm not here, Jeff Kerr is going to be here. Uh, obviously, Jody Mack. Uh, uh, typically, I want to thank him uh, for getting us through the show. Rob Motti from the Associated Press. And football 27 tonight, 24-7 with me tonight. We got all this stuff to promote, Jeff Kerr. How was your – we got a couple minutes here. How have you been enjoying filling in on the Jacob Media YouTube channel? Oh, I love it. You know, I just love the opportunity to talk football. I don't care what it is, you know. <laughs> I say this all the time. Every time I get, like, a radio spot, they're like, wow, you answer quick. I'm like, I'm getting paid to talk football. So I might as well just share it with, you know, esteemed colleagues like yourself and – We'll see see how we go from there, but it's it's actually funny when I rewatch myself or you know listen on the podcast. I'm like, wow, I really sound like that, or wow, I I did. Yeah, that's or why I, you never two things. I'm going to give you advice, Jeff. Never rewatch yourself, <laughs> and never ever ever read the comments. No, nope, I love I, the I love the fans, but yeah, I, mean, I feed off that. hate. <laughs> you got to feed off hate. Uh, first 365, another week wrapped it up. San Francisco 49ers Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field, one o'clock. Soon as it's over, tune over to Jacob Media YouTube channel 6abc.com for the live post game show. Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, Lane Johnson, and yeah, some other guy will be there as well. And I'm getting all choked up, Jeff. We'll be back next week here on Birds 365, Monday, 8 o'clock, to talk about it. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.